Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yo, this is Conrad from Kansas, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Gallimore, but I always listen to I Doubt It with Brittany Page. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 412 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore. I got my voice back. Joining me today, the lovely, the talented Brittany Page. You got your voice back, and you got your position on the show back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back in charge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> comment down there. I might, I might take it back. Yeah. Well, I was, um, I was happy to have you take the reins. You were on the last episode. Yeah. It was, uh, it was nice. Refreshing. It was, well, it was necessary, so uh-huh. I'm just glad. It's not that it's super difficult, but there are certain things mm-hmm. that would have required, like hadn't you been able to transition from topic to whatever, that I would have had to do a bunch of editing, mm-hmm. and I didn't have to do that. Yeah, it's almost like um, anyway. just being... <laughs> What do you What do you mean? How do you know I'm not getting ready to say something super genuine? Because awesome? I know you well enough to know. Uh huh. Um, it's almost like being on the show for over 400 episodes is still like an experience that uh, allows me to learn how to do things, even if I'm not actually doing them. Really, what I was saying Ooh. is that you're a lady, <laughs> and ladies aren't used to being in charge. Yeah, they're not used to be having authority over men and yeah. leading men. No, I'm really used to that actually. <laughs> um, that's where most of my experience comes from. Speaking of that. 
Mm-hmm. We just released a bonus episode with we Brian did. Bell. Yeah, I say <laughs> that because we talked about the authority over men thing when oh. we talked about the Seventh Day Adventist Church. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> You're like, well, where did that come yeah. from? Yeah, we did record it um, before you got sick. That's so right. The, that the day I got Saturday, we yeah, recorded it. That is something that we failed to put in the show notes. Um, I, I don't think anything specifically was referenced that needs to uh, have that timestamp on it. But I think you did say, oh, we're going to be talking about that on the next show or something like you previewed something. We talked about something we're going to get to very shortly. The USC president stepping down. Okay, so we we didn't do that. Or I guess it will work out now that we're doing that. Yeah, but we um, he did he did um, say a few things. He had a few words about Michael Shermer Mm -hmm. and then. Just last night and this morning, yeah, they're mixing it up on Twitter together. Yeah, not, uh, t- completely unrelated to the episode, right? But I think it, it is good to know that what he said, which was very brief mm-hmm. and not crazy, mm-hmm. was way prior to this little tiff on on Twitter, right? <laughs> yes, and if you're interested, you can go follow that, and um, it's on YouTube. Yeah, but I'm saying if you want to follow the Michael Shermer, Ryan Bell um, saga on Twitter. Is it really a saga? It's actually just two tweets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but It's not really even a mini series. That's at Ryan J. Bell. And by the way, if you're not following us on Twitter, I'm not sure what you're doing because you got to remedy that. That's, you're wasting your life. It's at Dollamore, at Brittany E. Page. You know how to spell it because it's on the podcast thing. And uh, at I Doubt It Podcast. That's how you uh, will learn when we're late and Jesse's sick. And so it's important to follow don't, those accounts. Don't further that narrative that I'm sick all the fucking no, time. No, I'm, I'm just saying that's one let benefit me, let, let of me say following again, the account. Let me say again, because we got a lot of people reaching out, very concerned about my health, like I have some autoimmune disease or something. <laughs> when we say that, oh, Jesse's sick... Very rarely is it that I'm, you know, puking up blood or or incapacitated or mm-hmm. fevered or this time was a, I was sick and like a sick sick. But usually it's I, I t- somebody tweeted and I tweeted back. I said, listen, it, when you do a job like this where you're you got to be on your game and you got to, you know, try to be some semblance of funny while informative and doing all the bullshit with it. it it's not It's not like uh, I work on an assembly line. Don't act like it's hard work for you. I'm not saying it's hard work. <laughs> no, it is kind of hard work. I'm just, I'm saying it I'm somewhat saying comes naturally to you. When Sometimes when, a, when, when a, an episode gets canceled because of quote unquote sickness, it's not full blown puking and shitting. It's uh, just not feeling up to doing the episode because you don't have the energy level or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's it. I'm not dying. Yeah. I don't get sick n- more than normal people. Mm-hmm. But thank you, everybody, who reached out concerned about the voice and lamenting that we actually did the episode thinking I was going to damage my voice. I'm not sure if that's how that works, but <laughs> everything's fine. Yeah. I, I've got the... I don't know. It sounds like it has permanent damage yeah. because you <laughs> did the show when you were sick. I do. It does. Uh, maybe it's just because I was up late last night bullshitting around with some tech stuff and 
I feel a little froggy, but more like that good froggy that you yeah. have the extra, hey, yeah. you know, that extra. Yeah. I, I think people also say, you know, just do the episode without Brittany and find someone else or do the episode without Jesse and find that's someone else. That's not the show. And yeah, that's not what we do here. So um, <laughs> that's not what we do Yeah, here. We can't just like have like a sub. The show is Jesse and Brittany. Yeah, it's not so. high school algebra where you can just have a sub come in and, you know, make sure that the... the the inmates don't burn down the prison. Yeah, we appreciate the recommendations and suggestions, but we're we're trying to just do it this way. <laughs> I guess I don't know. <laughs> do the show? Yeah, I don't know. Um, because the show is is Brittany and Jesse. Yeah. So again, this is going to be hashtag third episode yes. week. So I don't think we've worked out a schedule for that, but... Not it, including the Ryan Bell bonus episode. Yeah, that does not include the bonus episode. We wouldn't try to cheat you guys out of hashtag third episode. That's a bonus episode. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's bonus. Yeah. Bonus means extra. Exactly. <laughs> so look for that to come later this week. We're excited. Yeah. So before we move on, uh, as we often do, let, let's get to some voicemails and emails um, l- last episode, uh, we, we had, uh, Kelly from New England call in and she had, a, a beautiful call talking about, uh, racism, how you can be racist and, um, and still consort with people of an opposite race. And, and, and she brought a, a, a great example. And that is, uh, Thomas Jefferson having serially raped, uh, Sally Hemings for years, producing children, in fact. And uh, she 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 used the phrase affair a few times and it, it, I just bristled at it and I, I wanted to correct it. And then now she's uh, she's called back to <laughs> to reassure everyone that she did not believe it to be a consensual affair. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's Kelly from New England. Uh, last day of vacation. So uh, first, I hope, Jesse, you're feeling better. That voice was was quite of a quite a thing. Um, but. Yes, 100% I recant. Uh, Jefferson was 100% a rapist and not uh, in a tort affair. I think I was emphasizing a little bit too much with my subject. Uh, I just meant insofar as he was very, very affectionate and fond of Sally Hemings. And yes, he constantly raped her, but he would not have seen it that way. But doesn't change the fact of what he was doing. Um, but the only reason I brought that up is because he got into a war of words with the poet Phyllis Wheatley, who's the very first African-American poet, and he was basically saying that she's clearly a parrot, and blacks can't do this, and blacks can't do that, and uh, she can't actually be a real poet, it's some sort of poet. They got into a whole war of words, and over a, a ancient Greek character named Paris, I don't have my books in front of me again, vacation, but I'm sure if you want a, a history lex- a lecture, I will happily give you one, but he was trying to justify blacks being subhuman despite, despite the fact that Miss Wheatley was an accomplished poet and drove him bananas. So, um, yes, cognitive dissonance and rapist forefathers. So, America has a um, love the show, Brittany's the best part, and get well soon. Love the show, Brittany's the best part. So I think what Kelly is saying is that I was right in defending her from your vicious, vicious attack. (laughs) You just flew off the rails. You were attacking the listeners. It's very inappropriate. With my 
with my, I almost said emo voice, with my <laughs> I, Elmo voice. It was more intimidating because it was like, wow, this guy feels like he can say something. Really? Like screeching at her. Mm-hmm. But listen, I, I'm... I'm ever evolving on on the, the the specific topic about Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. Um, do I think that they served a a great role in our country? Absolutely. Uh, they were indispensable. These are they were brilliant men. Uh, George Washington, maybe differently than than Thomas Jefferson, who was a brilliant genius, and Thomas and and, and George Washington. For white people, for the white nation, was a stalwart, honorable man who who stepped down after two terms, could have lived like a king, I mean, could have ruled like a king. Uh, they wanted to call him your highest majesty, all these weird titles. And he's like, no, just uh, come on. Doesn't all that make it worse, though? Yeah, yeah, no, it does. Yeah, that so, they're geniuses. So I'm not, I'm not taking away from their contribution. Mm-hmm. However... They were bad dudes. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's like, I, I don't know if I talked about it last time because it's kind of a haze. I was still sick. But uh, they knew that it was wrong. Right. It was. Mo- Did I talk about the, the, the Samuel Adams? Samuel Adams. I was sick. I don't remember. Samuel Adams <laughs> was, uh, was cousin to John Adams. Mm-hmm. And in the, the late 1700s was given a little black girl as a slave. I think mm-hmm. I talked to him. It's something I talk about all the time. So I don't remember. Anyway, I'm just going to repeat myself if not. And uh, they immediately, he and his wife, Samuel Adams, and he, he and his wife, I, I don't know her name, uh, immediately set her free mm-hmm. because oh, fuck that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is wrong. That is immoral. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, oh, that's just back in the in the 1400s before anybody really knew. Right. It was well established by you know half the population. Yeah. That slavery was a horrible, immoral practice, mm-hmm. and you had men for the for the purposes of making money, and their their checkbook um, chose to own human beings. So I, I'm not going to give him a pass on that. You yeah, know, it's not like oh they had he cheated on his wife. Well, you know that's you can kind of explain that away, and that doesn't make him the the worst person in the world. We're talking about slavery, right? We're talking about raping. Your slaves. Yeah. And it, it's a bridge too far for me. And when people talk about their tremendous influence and all of the noble qualities and how they were geniuses and yeah. all that, I, I just think that makes it worse because yeah. you're, you're painting a picture of people who knew better I, and I agree. should have done better. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not good. <laughs> Definitely not good. Kelly, thanks for the call. Hi, Brittany and prepubescent Jesse. Um, it's Wayne from the UK. Um, I just wanted to um, talk about the last episode. You had a caller called Shuri, um, and she made some uh, big points that kind of struck a chord with me. Being a biracial, mixed race, whatever you want to I mean, call it, guy growing up in a little town in England. Um, there's only a few of us. We all knew each other's names because, you know, we all kind of like, oh, you're different. You're different. Yeah, you're like me. You're like me. And as we grew up, or especially for me, it was kind of like, which which box do I fall into? I'm not black. I'm not white. So do I behave this way? Do I behave that way? And there's all these sort of societal pressures that you don't really kind of think about. 
um, you're just kind of told this is the sort of music you should like. This is the the way you, you should conduct yourself. This is, you know, um, who you are. You must be this because you look like this. And it was only when I was about, I don't know, 32 that I just kind of realised, you know that meme when that guy's just, he just throws the papers up in the air and says, fuck this shit, I don't need it. Um, that was kind of when I realised that this whole race thing is is a nonsense and societal construct that tells us who we should be, how we should behave. And it's the same thing with the gender roles. So I'm just kind of mixing those two um, topics together, but because they do share a lot of the same elements in the sense of, you're a man, you should be doing this. Um, you're a woman, you should be doing that. You're black, you should be doing this. And you're white, you should be doing this. So don't you dare cross the lines. And so you get these terms like, uh, what is it, um, like Uncle Tom, coconut. So if you're black and you're sort of doing things that are white, there's a pejorative that's already installed to put you back in your place. And if you're white and you're doing things that are supposed to be black, you get called a wigger. So it's we have this really nonsensical um, sense of identity that we inflict on other people and some people will take it and some people will go no that ain't fucking me so cunts like gavin mcginnis who are the worst <laughs> goes oh I'm, I'm i'm not a racist look i found a black person i, I like look, i made babies with her um, oh it's the rest of them they can all fuck off so it's it's little cunts like him that <laughs> i feel sort of reinstall that programming of this is your role this is who you should be I'm all right because I've got one of these, so I can say what I like now about these other people. And it's the same with the gender role. And um, I believe that if we got rid of these labels, the whole world would be just a much better place. Three minutes, boom. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. It's um, actually three minutes and two seconds, but yeah, you know, I do want to say who's counting. <laughs> I I do want to say because we got a comment from someone who said that they looked up Gavin McGinnis's wife and that she's not a black woman. Um, we did not say she was a black woman. We said she's a woman of color, right. and I'm not sure what her um, ethnicity is. It's like Pacific Islander, Polynesian. Yeah, I'm not sure, yeah. but um, Gavin McGinnis talks about that quite often um so so we've had he uses it as cover yeah we've had callers comment on his quote-unquote black wife and i think that uh maybe when we initially talked about it that is the message that people received but um she's not black so yeah um you know i I don't know how i feel uh wayne at al the rest of the audience i don't know how i feel about race being just a construct Mm mm-hmm because if I spit in a jar and Wayne spits in a jar, through different genetic markers, they can tell us, science can tell us our races, our respective races. Yeah, you kind of see this divide in this conversation where people say um, we should learn to not see color. And then people say... No, we should just get to a point where people aren't prejudiced and discriminating based on color. Yeah. Because if you remove people's culture and their identity, I mean, that's a part of that's a part of their identity, their culture, their ethnicity, um, the traditions that come along with 
with the culture that, that they were born into. Yeah. Um, and so when I took my multicultural class, for example, this was like a, a hot topic of discussion. And if you get to a point where you no longer see color, quote unquote, which is impossible. Right. Um, <laughs> you're removing like people's history and things that might be meaningful to their identity. So I think that this argument of um, identity politics, quote unquote, identity politics is a problem and we need to get past it. Um, no, there are reasons that people who identify with certain groups feel as though there are certain issues that are more relevant to their experience yeah. and want to champion those causes over other causes. And we should just become more open to listening to all those different experiences and uh, learn from them. Well, and just because they're different from your own doesn't mean they are bad or invalid. They are just different. Mm -hmm. People need to be able to look past their fucking face and uh, not be such dicks. <laughs> That's I got it all figured out, Brittany. That is some wishful thinking. <laughs> I got it all right there. Out. That is wishful thinking. Wayne, brother, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Uh, moving on, final call um, covers kind of a panoply. Of different topics, Sam B, the Sam, the Samantha B thing, where she used Wayne's uh, favorite word mm -hmm. to describe <laughs> Ivanka Trump. I know. I wonder if when Wayne heard the clip, he was like, "Wait a minute, did she say something? I don't. I didn't hear." <laughs> so what was controversial? Was something sad or <laughs> Trump and uh, of course uh, masculinity, the topic we've been kind of touching on uh, over the course of the last few episodes. Hey guys, I just have three quick points to hit. Number one, Samantha B. I'm still unsure about my feelings towards her calling Ivanka a feckless C-word. The reason the story really blew up is probably because of that cuss word. Ivanka is, however, feckless. She holds an ambiguous position, says she's here to help advise her father, but then says she can't do anything and she can't comment because she's a daughter. I don't think we should result to name calling, especially when your argument is strong on its own. Threatening to take away children of immigrants trying to better their life for their families and put them in foster care or whatever, to quote John Kelly, is a valid concern to say the very least. Wondering what the hell Ivanka is doing up in there other than posting pics for the gram after she claimed to be an advisor is a valid concern. But let's be real. This wouldn't be news if we called Jared a pussy. Number two, Trump. Um, can you please focus? As of right now, I'm not sure where these peace talks with North Korea stand, but he has time to come for a comedian? All right, cool. Number three, masculinity. This and femininity are outdated concepts. There's a whole new generation that isn't defined by these finite social constructs. So shut up about it, just be a good person and make the world a better place to live in in whatever way you can. Whew. Anyways, love the show. Jesse's the best part. I, I'm not I'm not sure if uh, funny so is telling us to shut up about it. Hey guys. Quit talking about things that are... That exist. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I agree. Listen, it, we, 
we that's the problem with missing episodes is the the news cycle so insane we just we we're not going to go back and address all of the Roseanne bullshit mm-hmm. with the the racist tweets uh, comparing Valerie Jarrett to an ape mm-hmm. and then Samantha B I don't I don't have a problem with Roseanne losing her show mm-hmm. and I wouldn't really even have a problem if Samantha B lost her show mm-hmm. because those are business decisions yeah. If the NFL decides to fire or to bench or to fine players, that is also their business. What this boils down to is where you want to place your support and give your money, give your watch time to. It's about your values. And had AB, I'm not a big ABC fan just for the fact that they gave Roseanne a fucking show because she is a dangerous. Mm-hmm. Conspiracy theory peddler. Yeah. Promoted Pizzagate. Right. She's also a, a long racist. Mm-hmm. She's done all kinds of shit that is that is not just quote unquote problematic, but that is just outright racist. It, it's just racist. Yeah. I had someone ask me, what do you think is wrong with Roseanne? Like, do you think that she <laughs> like has a mental illness? And I said, uh, no, I just think she's a racist. Yeah. She's a racist. Yeah. So. It is, for me, just about the values of things. You know, I don't know where I stand right now with the NFL. I mean, it's a, it's bothersome that they are limiting the speech of of uh, of their players by threat of, of fine through the team. And, you know, it's just they're playing into the president's hands, and that's a bummer. Yeah, so I'll start with what you just said and then move my way back to what I wanted to talk about. Um the the issue for me is that the government has spoken out on the NFL. Um, the government is exerting influence from yeah. the executive branch. That's right. Um, Donald Trump tweeting about the NFL, calling players who protest sons of bitches. Um, he is using the power of his office in a very inappropriate way. Um, this should not involve him. He should stay out of it. Yes. Mike Pence doesn't need to go and... Especially related to free speech. Yeah, stay out of it. Same with him tweeting about Samantha B and her show and the and the press secretary releasing a statement about Demanding Samantha B's show. Demanding she be fired. Yeah, saying it's not fit for um, television. That's not up to you. That is not your role. Know your role and step back. We're not in the business here of the government saying what is fit for TV and what is not. Stay out of it. You don't demand from the White House press secretary podium that uh, Samantha Bee be fired for specific speech she used. That is encroaching on authoritarian and autocratic uh, behavior. Right. So if there's if there's an important conversation to be had about all of these different issues, it's that. And I, right. I would like to see more of a focus on that in these conversations. Um, I'm going to get back to Samantha Bain in a second, but on the masculinity femininity issue, it would, it would be great if we could all just live as though those concepts don't have power and don't influence people, but they do. And you see it with Jordan Peterson making $80,000 a month on Patreon from dudes who are accepting his message, yeah. uh, feeling like they are, are, are not getting a message from anyone else. And we have to deal with this. We have to talk about it. Because if we don't talk about it, then Jordan Peterson has a monopoly on it. 
and right. and he's going to be the only one who's giving a message to vulnerable, angry, violent young men. He's also already feeling validated. Yes. And if he doesn't get pushed back, mm-hmm. it's there's just a vacuum there of him feeling um absolutely correct. There needs to be pushback. There needs to be a, a divide drawn. Right. Now, with Samantha B, um I'm not offended by that word. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm not offended by like any words. Um, in fact, I recently just came around to the point of blocking people that um, treat me bad online <laughs> because I don't really care about it. But um, I guess I don't I, I just don't need to waste time on it anymore. Yeah. That's why I've come around on it. But otherwise, the word is not offensive to me. I understand that it's offensive to other women and um, that's fine. What was weird to me is like seeing Donald Trump tweet about how inappropriate it is. Mr. Shithole countries yeah. grab him by the pussy. Um, he, he, there's all kinds of recordings of him giving speeches, dropping the F bomb. Yeah. So, fuck off. Right. I don't, I don't need to hear these people that clearly talk like this in private acting all puritanical about the word for sure. Um, He's for sure talked like that about women, guaranteed, in, in, in private. Listen to how we've heard him talk. Yeah. <laughs> of course he has said that, right? Yeah. Am I crazy? No, of course. Yeah. It's, it's, he's, he plays this game because his blinded, brainwashed, moron, MAG-Americans, yeah. these evangelical hypocrites, they'll believe anything he fucking says. Yeah. And convince themselves of anything. Mm-hmm. And I I want to say it, it wasn't a problem when, uh, and I'm getting ready to say it. I'm going to say the word, everybody, so prepare. When Ted Nugent called Hillary Clinton a toxic cunt. Right. And he is still on the board at the NRA. He was invited to the White House. He took pictures with Donald Trump and Sarah Palin and I forgot who else was there. Yeah, and they took a picture in front of the portrait of, quote unquote, toxic cunt Hillary Clinton and made fun of her. Right. With the with the tacit approval right. of the White House, so don't come out here acting like you're prioritizing like proper behavior. Um, we know you're not about that. Well, Donald it's also Trump. the the even the national anthem thing. Mm-hmm. They're jumping on the Roseanne Barr bandwagon while she's grabbing her crotch and spitting after after butchering the national anthem. Yeah. So just enough. I, I do think it's a fair point that when you have a better argument, you don't need to sink to that level because she did. Samantha B gave the other side ammunition to go after this yeah. and make it an easy talking point to act like a victim. And that's unfortunate. I, I agree with that mo- more times than not. But sometimes you got to fight fire with fire. And the only listen, if the other side sinks so low and they're constantly with the name calling and they're constantly with the 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 bullshit if you answer back one time with the exact same kind of uh tactics as they use and then all of a sudden you're the bad guy nope no mm-hmm. I, I don't buy that mm-hmm. i've called donald trump a cunt on this show mm-hmm. I, I i reserve that for men <laughs> and you know and also i i don't buy into this um I kind of got I, I kind of get the vibe from a, a, a lot of people that any any name calling that you use a uh, a, a name uh, a female genital name is no good but like calling a dude a pussy or something mm-hmm. like oh well, you, 
but you also call people dicks, mm-hmm. and that's not a positive name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, America is behind in this way, and I think that Wayne would agree, where cussing is not a big deal in other countries. Americans are still very puritanical yeah. about this issue, and I I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, I did grow up in a white trash household, so obviously I'm not going to think it's a big deal. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> maybe if I had a different upbringing, I'd be like, oh, my God, don't say that. Um, <laughs> but apparently in Australia, it's it's not a slur. I was reading an article about it in The Guardian, and they said that calling someone a quote unquote good cunt means they're a decent person. Like it's used as a compliment. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, so depending on where you are, it means different things. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, well, I love you guys. You <laughs> bunch of good cunts out there. So uh, let's let's move on. Do a little follow up before we get to the mid roll, and that is related to the story we've been talking about about this doctor at USC who was telling women that they had uh, perky breasts and soft skin and good muscle tone mm-hmm. and. Um, he apparently took they, out a tampon and dangled it. Yeah. God damn. Mm-hmm. But come on. That's against. She was surprised by it. Like he did a surprise tampon removal. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're, you're no, not, it's just... you're not giving the most egregious actions. I yeah, feel like I need like block that one out. Well, it's important to the gravity I, of this. I'm not bothered that you said it. It's that I forgot that one. And mm-hmm. seriously, some people just need to be able to be slapped fucking silly. And uh, we'll reserve that for the doctor. But the president of uh, University of Southern California uh, received pressure to step down by hundreds of faculty members. And uh, it looks like he's stepping down. The president of USC under fire this evening after several former students sued the university, accusing a campus gynecologist of sexual misconduct and assault. They claim it went on for years and that the university failed to respond to complaints. Tonight, there have now been hundreds of calls to a hotline that's been set up. And here's ABC's Kana Whitworth. And we warn you tonight, some of the details are disturbing. Tonight, mounting pressure on USC's president to resign after allegations the university ignored multiple complaints of sexual misconduct by a now former campus gynecologist. Lucy Chi is one of seven women filing lawsuits against the university and the school's only gynecologist for nearly 30 years, Dr. George Tyndall. He told me, go ahead and undress, I'll turn around. And he turned you know, only sideways so that he could kind of still look out of the corner of his eye. I felt uncomfortable, but then I thought, you know, he's the doctor. He knows what he's supposed to do. The university says they've received as many as 300 calls on a hotline set up for patients of Dr. Tyndall. He stuck his fingers inside me and then he moved them around. And I said, no, 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 yeah. there's, there's no need. There's no need. Please stop. No. And he said, you asked him to stop. I asked him to stop. And did he? He did it. Tyndall has denied any wrongdoing to the L.A. Times and left the university in 2017. 200 faculty members at USC demanding that USC President Max Nakia step down, writing that he's, quote, lost the moral authority to lead. Nikias, who has the full support of the Board of Trustees, has said Tyndall's alleged misconduct is unacceptable and he has a plan to change the culture of the university when it comes to handling allegations of sexual misconduct. 
David, I spoke with a lawyer who said today he talked to 36 other women who say they were also assaulted by Dr. Tyndall, and he expects that number to grow. And now the university is hiring outside counsel to investigate these claims. David. Kena Whitworth tonight. Kena, thank you. So Nakias is stepping down, and, um, I, you know, I, I got to make a prediction that I think anybody with clear eyes would be able to make, and that is the fact that there is going to be sizable settlements and several lawsuits involving this a la the situation at Michigan State University with Larry Nasser. This could be a a a massive problem for USC um related to all of the payouts that they're going to have to undergo and mm-hmm. justifiably so. Yeah. So that's good uh that the that they they chose for whatever, you know, I, I say that doing the right thing for the wrong reason still results in the right thing being done. And even if they did this for the fact of the 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 pub, public relations aspect of it and not for the, you know, taking care of students or whatever, he's stepping down. They're going to get somebody in there. And it's this rocks a campus when there's scandal like this. And it's like... Uh, like when a plane crashes, the week after a plane crashes, that's the best week to fly that airline because they got their shit on lock after that. They're going to be dotting every I and crossing every single T, and they're going to be reviewing processes at USC. They're going to be making sure that everything is done right. Um, hopefully, some good comes out of this. Yeah, for sure. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Charles. Charles. And Joshua. And Joshua. Beautiful. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. We appreciate the support. Uh, helping us move the conversation forward. Uh, if you are not ready, not able, whichever, um, to support the show financially, you can go to iTunes and rate and review the show. I think you can do it on Stitcher, too. I don't know anything about that, though. So uh, Apple Podcasts is really the the main, the the lion's share. The preponderance of our listeners come from there. And uh, it helps us get in front of new listeners. So we would appreciate that very much. Thank you, guys. We love and, and, and feel a kinship with our audience. I think that's unique. Mm-hmm. I don't listen to a, a, a ton of podcasts. I almost said a shit ton and then went <laughs> a different way. Uh, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. Uh-huh. But um, when I used to listen to a lot, mm-hmm. I, I, this what, what we have here with our audience isn't uh, anything I'd ever heard. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I take a lot of pride in the relationship we've, we've fostered with our audience um, generally and then even specifically with some of the members through the Patreon calls like we had this last weekend. Yeah. Um, it's just, 
it warms my heart. And we have more uh, Patreon calls because those ones from this past weekend here were to make up for um, May. And so the June... Memorial Day just fucked us. Yeah, the June hangouts are scheduled for the last Friday and last Saturday of the month like they normally are. That's right. Yes. So... And we're getting ready to plan um, another giveaway type deal contest on Patreon. Um, we'll probably have more details about that next episode. Um, and I guess, I don't know why I brought it up since we're not going to give the details now. But um, yeah, look forward to that really cool contest coming up that you don't know about. Good <laughs> times. We, we don't really even know about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a, a, a very cool book that kind of documents the campaign and the early presidency of Donald Trump. Yeah, it's a big, heavy book that can double as a weapon. Um, and it is like a great coffee table r- book to just put on the coffee table and piss off relatives when they come over for Thanksgiving and start debates. It'll it was, be great. It was published by CNN. Like J- yeah. JTAP wrote the foreword for it. Anyway, it's, it's super solid. Yeah. And we've got one of those. We're going to, we're going to do like we did with the listener co-host. Thing. Right. Like give everybody an opportunity to be- become a Patreon supporter by a certain date and everyone will be entered in um, as long as you're um, still on patreon um yeah and uh we'll announce that date and like post a picture of the book and everything in, in a couple of days see what we did we just uh we just did it just yeah no no fine details yes that's just the the broad strokes mm. Dilemocracy <laughs> facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism so in the wake of all of this Roseanne Barr racism and Sam B. Cunty talk, a very serious story fell through the cracks, was completely neglected by the mainstream media, completely neglected dramatically by Fox News, but almost equally dramatically by CNN and MSNBC. Mm -hmm. And that is the fact that a Harvard study has concluded that more people died as a result of Hurricane Maria than during 9-11. According to a new study, the death toll from Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico is more than 70 times higher than officials claim. The study was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Researchers spoke with thousands of storm victims and concluded that over 4,600 people died as a result of the storm. Officials put that number at just 64. But that official death toll did not take into account the impact of the extended loss of electricity and access to food, water and health care after the storm. CBS News correspondent David Begno spent weeks in Puerto Rico reporting on Hurricane Maria and the aftermath, and he joins me now. David, the official estimated death toll was only 64. This study suggests that over 4,600 Americans were killed in relation to Hurricane Maria. Now, that would make it the deadliest storm in modern U.S. history. So why this discrepancy? 
So the government's number of roughly 60 takes into account direct storm-related deaths. So uh, a death which involved a tree falling on someone, maybe a mudslide where someone was killed as the earth pushed into their home and destroyed it. These numbers take into account not only directly related deaths, but indirectly. So someone who was on oxygen but lost electricity at home and didn't have it, and so their death can be attributed to the storm. A diabetic who couldn't go to the pharmacy because the pharmacy was closed. Uh, so it takes into account a number of chronic illnesses that were not factored into the death toll. Now, those are the words of the academics, both on the island of Puerto Rico and at Harvard, who are a part of this study. This study, by the way, was very uh, was done very cheaply in terms of money spent. It was roughly $30,000. However, for several weeks, Graduate students and researchers went to about 3,000 homes on the island, and they interviewed people. How many people live here? How long did you have electricity? What kind of illnesses do you have? And they used figures that are, are very commonly used across the world mm -hmm. when it comes to determining the number of deaths after a natural disaster. And they came up with the range of anywhere between 800 and as high as 8,000. Now, that is an incredible swing. But they say that their estimates are more on the conservative side. And so roughly 4,600 is where they're at right now. Now, the government of Puerto Rico has asked George Washington University to do a study on behalf of the government. They thought that study was going to be released in May, but George Washington University has said it's taking much longer than they thought. So the Harvard researchers actually said to me today, look, here's our study. We presented it. We can't wait to see what George Washington University finds. But as one Harvard researcher told me, the bottom line is the number being given out by the government, in the opinion of the Harvard researchers, is grossly understated. So that 4,600 number is an estimate. And the important story here is that the official death toll is 64. And so there's this large disparity between this estimate from Harvard researchers and the government's official death toll. And so what needs to happen here is there needs to be an additional investigation and there needs to be more of an emphasis on what we can be doing to help the American citizens in Puerto Rico. Yes. And since this story hit, um, I haven't seen anything from Donald Trump. Uh, he's still tweeting about how he can pardon himself and how the... Appointment of special counsel Robert Mueller is unconstitutional. All of, this is what his priority is. That's right. Uh, Puerto Rico and unabashedly, this is what his priority is. Puerto Rico is not a priority for him. Um, one of the notable things about this study too is that they found that interruptions in medical care were the primary cause for the high mortality rates after the storm. So again, not being given the resources needed to survive in the aftermath of that right. hurricane, which completely decimated Puerto Rico. Well, think about the, what, what damage was done. The infrastructure was completely wiped out. Roads washed away. Bridges washed away. No electricity. So how do you go from a modern society dependent upon electricity to a society with zero electricity in the sweltering heat and needing to do 
uh, major construction process pro- projects to get the infrastructure back online. Well, and that's the problem. So how do you put in place a recovery effort when you don't have an accurate death toll, when the death toll that you have is likely wildly inaccurate? Um, how, how do you put that recovery effort in place? Well, it, the Trump administration is absolutely to blame here derelict remember Donald Trump going down there and throwing paper towels like a fucking clown remember him the water oh this it's 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 surrounded by water we can't get there like we're gonna drive a truck to Puerto Rico when we have a navy full of ships we have the necessary components to get relief to Puerto Rico We have an obligation to do so because Puerto Rico is America. This isn't some other country that this happened in. That we don't, well, you know, it it would be great. It would be a, a, a wonderful humanitarian gesture if we were to help out this other country. When 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 the hurricane hit Florida, we were Johnny on the spot. When the hurricane hit Houston, we were there. The Trump administration answered. He went down there, glad-handing. They didn't do that with Puerto Rico. What's the difference? Puerto Rico's filled with brown people who speak Spanish. And Houston and Florida is filled with uh, Trump voters. Well, also, this would not be acceptable if this happened to one of the actual states, right? Right. Um, Let's say that something similar happened with Texas, you think that a hurricane that happened October 2nd um, would, they'd still be struggling to get power? Right. The citizens would still be struggling to find healthy food. Well, I, the citizens would still be struggling to have access to health care. You think that that would happen here? Well, think about 3 million people being without power for months. So what? Los Angeles proper has just over 3 million people in it. Imagine if the city of Los Angeles was without power for months, the kind of chaos that would not be allowed to happen. It would not be allowed. And the Trump administration and the government of Puerto Rico fucking failed. They failed and now they're trying to cover up. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why Trump went hard with the Roseanne bullshit right. is because that, that distracted the news media because they're morons. Yes. And they took it there. I, I forget what the exact numbers were, but CNN spent like 30 minutes on it that day Yeah, uh, uh, on Puerto Rico. Fox News was like 18 seconds I mean, on the Puerto Rico it's, story. It's ridiculous. And the unfortunate thing is about this, this crazy, insane news cycle is that it's hard to keep up. It's more than a full time job to keep up. But the news still has the ability to prioritize what is most yes. important. And in any other administration, this would be the number one scandal. Yeah. Well, they have a responsibility to do so. Listen, being a, 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 a member of the media, the press, the free press, the constitutionally protected free press, it's the only job in America that is guaranteed protected by the Constitution. If you're a welder... You don't have constitutionally protected job. If you are a a journalist, you do. So you have a fucking responsibility that comes along with that constitutional protection 
to do the right thing, to cover the right story. And they they abdicated their duty here. They failed America. They failed Puerto Rico. And uh, they failed themselves. And that's CNN, for whom I have some fondness, MSNBC, and of course, Fox News. Fuck them all. They, they fucked this up. So... Uh, we're going to c- continue to follow this. Um, they, you know, they're they're going to r- replicate this study. They're going to do more surveys, and they're going to probably pin down a number. But but think about that. S- some, their high estimate is like sixty six thousand, sixty two hundred or something. It's it's a high number. This is like a, a more reasonable, modest um, estimate of how many died. Just just at 3,000 died on 9-11. This is like one and a half times the people that died on 9-11 died during the storm in Puerto Rico or in the immediate afternoon math. Our hearts should be breaking. It's not fair. These are American citizens and they deserve protection. They deserve relief. And Donald Trump is failing them. And his failure is continuing by putting forward the, the, distract, the distraction of a new story. And then the idiots in the media taking the bait. So moving on, uh, the other thing we've talked about briefly on the show is this ZTE, this Chinese technology company, this cell phone company in China that was busted selling U.S. technology to sanctioned countries like Iran and North Korea. that The the Defense Department, years ago, said, we're not going to sell ZTE cell phones on, on military bases anymore because they present a security threat where the, the, uh, the U.S. intelligence uh, infrastructure believed that they were trying to or in a position to disable U.S. networks remotely. They are a national security threat to the United States. And after they pulled their bullshit where they were selling to sanctioned countries, we fined them $1.19 billion dollars. There was also a ban from the Commerce Department right. on any American companies selling parts to uh, ZTE. Under the Trump administration, there was a ban. A ban. Um, Wilbur Ross. Well, Donald Trump decided that he was going to help make China great again and restore 91,000 jobs for this company by lifting sanctions against them because the, the the punishment was you don't get to have U.S. technology like Android and Intel technology in your phones. Donald Trump reversed it, and oddly enough, just days later, Ivanka Trump was was granted more trademarks in China. Ivanka Trump is not commenting after China issued new trademarks for her fashion brand. The president's daughter led a conference call with reporters Tuesday. During the call, reporters asked about her business trademarks in China, but White House aides declined to answer. Online records show the Chinese government awarded Ivanka Trump's brand seven new trademarks. The news comes just days after President Trump 
told Congress the administration had reached a deal with China to revive telecom giant ZTE. Critics say the timing of the move and the trademarks raise questions about potential ethical violations. CBS News White House reporter Jacqueline Alemany was on the call and joins me now from Washington. All right, so Jackie, tell us more about this call led by Ivanka Trump. Hey, Elaine. So uh, White House reporters had a background briefing today with Ivanka Trump in advance of the White House Fitness Day, uh, which President Trump is expected to speak at tomorrow. Ivanka made an on-the-record opening statement, and, uh, you know, White House reporters get very little face time with Ivanka Trump, very few opportunities to ask her questions. So the first question, um, an NBC reporter took advantage of the opportunity and asked her a question um, about this suspicious timing of uh, her fashion company getting uh, seven new trademarks awarded to her by the Chinese government. Um, A White House official quickly stepped in and replied that uh, reporters needed to reach out to the White House press office in order to get an answer. Uh, A reporter then followed up with a different question, another off-topic question for Ivanka Trump. um, And uh, the White House official quickly revealed that Ivanka had dropped off the call. She had another um, meeting uh, to attend to. Mm. Um, So she was not down to, you know, play ball with White House reporters on uh, answering any of these questions. Interesting. Well, Jackie, what do we know about the timing of these trademarks? Yeah, so the timing here, as you pointed out, is a bit suspicious or potentially coincidental. Um, Seven days prior to President Trump coming out and saying that he was going to allow telecommunications companies, ETE, do business in the U.S., the Chinese government awarded uh, Ivanka Trump um, seven new trademarks to cash in on her name, Ivanka Trump. Now, uh, Ivanka Trump's company, her fashion company, has argued that this is, you know, her company— throughout the year constantly puts in new requests for uh, new trademark requests in order to protect her name due to uh, increased um, interest in uh, the Ivanka Trump name. Um, But, you know, uh, again, this timing is uh, awkward as the president um, came out really against his administration's stance of preventing ZTE from doing business in the U.S. after they violated sanctions uh, against North Korea and Iran. No, she just really had a meeting to attend right at that moment. Yeah. It was very important that she immediately drop off the call right after the question and go to this other meeting that was scheduled. This is another case where Ivanka Trump, the feckless idiot, we'll just say that, the complicit, criminally inclined syndicate member, Ivanka Trump, she wants to be an advisor to the president. She wants to be a White House staffer. She wants to be someone who is also accountable to the American people as an employee of the government in the White House. But when it comes time to answer questions about uh, her boss, not your father, your boss, she ducks. I think it's very inappropriate for someone to ask a daughter about his father's, her father's blah, 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 blah. You don't get it like that. Are you an employee? Then you're accountable. Uh, did you profit? What was the situation here? You don't get to just drop off the call. This is the problem. This 
is a story that should be covered. Not only that, but ZTE has hired a former member of the Trump campaign as a lobbyist amid negotiations with Donald Trump to loosen restrictions hampering the company's ability to do business with the U.S. So his name is Brian Lanza. He's a former advisor to both the Trump campaign and Trump's White House transition team. Yeah. And he... Um, you remember Donald Trump tweeted this president G of China and I are working together to give massive Chinese phone company ZTE a way to get back into business fast. Too many jobs in China lost commerce department has been instructed to get it done. Um, this is a a national security threat to to the United States, (laughs) right? But Donald Trump is now complicit in getting back on the ground to pose a threat to America. Yeah, and he was criticized for this tweet because he's talking about too many jobs in China being lost. Yeah. And for someone who ran on the mantra of uh, America first and jobs, 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 uh, talking about too many jobs being lost in China seems a little odd. When... Is this going to stop? When is this going to be a problem for the republic, the traitors who are Republicans in Congress? When? When? At what point? He's going against not only past administrations and the Obama administration and the decisions made about ZTE, but the, and we're talking about going back to like 2014, 2013. He's also going against his own Commerce Department. Taking everyone by surprise. And then his daughter profits by new trademarks. Staffers are being hired at this company. What the fuck? Seriously. Well, and this Brian Lanza guy is uh, reportedly still in communication with White House officials. Of course he is. And it was reported last month that Lanza is helping a Russian company owned by a sanctioned oligarch lobby um, the Trump in- to lobby the Trump administration to lift penalties against the right. firm. So no loyalty to the United States of America. Yeah. And again, this is what we're talking about with the just n- n- onslaught constant yes. scandal going on in this administration which is hilarious because the joke was corrupt clintons drain um, the swamp clinton corrupt yeah and th- i mean it's just every day all day it's hard to keep up with the amount of corruption coming out of this administration well th- th- moving on we're going to move on here but uh the, the the other thing that happened that was a bombshell was this 20-page letter that was written and delivered to the special counsel robert Mueller? In January, that was just leaked, and the White House is trying to portray this. Donald Trump is trying to put this out there that that the special counsel leaked this memo. And I got a news package here to play, but it it, it makes you wonder: at what point do journalists, when they when they get a source, release them, leak them a letter from the White House because it was leaked from the White House? And then the president says, oh, none of my people leaked it. This is from the trying to malign the process, trying to malign Robert Mueller. At what point does a journalist have an obligation to correct the record and drop a dime on a source and say, no, that you can't lie after I re- uh, leak. You leak me something. I report on it. And then you lie about where it came from. Uh, I don't know. 
I think that, that some new rules need to be written because they're not playing by the rules. But a secret memo written by President Trump's legal team has been leaked by the White House. Next to the political headline breaking out of Washington tonight, the secret memo just revealed a 20-page confidential correspondence set from President Trump's legal team earlier this year to special counsel Robert Mueller, making the case behind the scenes to the special counsel that the president can't obstruct justice. That letter first reported by The New York Times, confirmed by ABC News. Tonight, ABC's Tara Palmieri with the late-breaking details. Tonight, a shocking secret memo written by President Trump's legal team leaked to the New York Times. The 20-page memo reportedly hand-delivered to the special counsel's office in January, making broad claims that the president cannot be guilty of obstruction in the Russia collusion case or be subpoenaed to speak to Robert Mueller. The Russian collusion hoax to hoax. The memo, a blueprint for Trump's defense. His legal team argues that, quote, as the chief law enforcement officer, it would amount to him obstructing himself. They also added that he has the power to, quote, terminate the inquiry or even exercise his power to pardon. Does the president have the unfettered power as President Clinton had, President Reagan? I used to, I used to have the pardon attorney work for me with President Reagan. He gave out 900 pardons, uh, far fewer than, than Obama or, or President Trump. I'm, I'm a big believer in the pardon uh, power. The president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, who was not a part of the legal team at the time, confirmed the contents of the letter to ABC News, telling ABC News, quote, if Mueller tries to subpoena us, we're going to court. The memo stating, quote, in light of these voluntary offerings, your office clearly lacks the requisite need to personally interview the president. Right. But what happens if Robert Mueller subpoenas the president? Will you comply? Well, uh, we don't have to. He's the president of the United States. We can assert the same privilege as other presidents have. 40 minutes before the publishing of the New York Times story, the president accusing the Justice Department and the special counsel of leaking the letter, tweeting, when will this very expensive witch hunt hoax ever end? So bad for our country. Is the special counsel Justice Department leaking my letters to the fake news media? Should be looking at Dems corruption instead? There's no evidence the leak came from the special counsel's office. Giuliani telling ABC News, it's the latest example of why he and the president are waging a PR battle with Mueller's team. Tara Palmieri joins us now from the White House. And Tara, I know you spoke to the president's attorney, Rudy Giuliani. He says even though this memo was written in January, it is still the defense the president plans on using. Well, Tom, you're right. Even though it was written about five months ago and by a totally different legal team, Giuliani says the legal defense strategy is still the same. That is a very broad interpretation of the powers of the presidency. So all of this really puts into perspective what Rudy Giuliani's role is with the quote-unquote legal team of Donald Trump. He's making the rounds, sowing confusion and dissension everywhere he goes. They're not trying to fight a legal battle here. They're trying to convince the MAGA Americans that this is a conspiracy, that Donald Trump is being framed, and they're trying to muddy the waters everywhere they can. Last week, Giuliani was on with Chris Cuomo of CNN, and he was talking about the reason he doesn't want Donald Trump to testify is because he's afraid of a perjury trap. But Rudy Giuliani isn't even smart enough to have a cohesive narrative. He indicts the president. He indicts Donald Trump with every word. That a perjury trap is when, it's just when you're not telling the truth. A perjury trap is when you get somebody to lie about what you're telling the truth. 
which is the president would testify tomorrow if it was about the truth. The truth is he had nothing to do with Russia. I was on that campaign. He didn't talk to Russians. He had nothing to do with Russia. He is as surprised about the Russian connection as, as you would be. And, and why we, won't he just sit down and say that? Because you've got people that are going to ask him questions about what did you say to him? What did you say to him? And you got right. Comey coming forward who will lie. They believe Comey rather than... Look, it's like Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart never would have gone to jail if she hadn't gone and testified. What do you think? We're she stupid? lied. She, she lied. Arguably, lying, lying is black and white. It isn't black and white. The president is not going to lie. Let's get that straight. President is going to tell what gives you confidence to say because that? I've gone over the whole thing. I've investigated the whole thing. There's nothing to lie about. Out of habit, he practices mendacity. That. That, now that out is out of habit. That's a, disgraceful, that's a disgraceful comment about the president of the United States. Out of habit, the president defends himself against the press. He abuses the truth. He misleads. Why are you asking me? He sometimes we lies. We talk about liars. Which is saying something that he knows is untrue and he does it to if deceive. If we're talking about liars, why don't we talk about Comey? Who's a proven liar. Because and one liar at a time. And, the and then, just this weekend, he goes on with, with George Stephanopoulos and completely refutes that. That, oh, if it was about the truth, he would, he would testify. Because there's nothing to lie about. It's all just telling the truth. And then, in the interview with Stephanopoulos on ABC, he says that, well, our recollection keeps changing and by our let's not get it twisted here he means donald trump our meaning our position as a legal team how, how does your recollection continue to change continue to shift and a lot of people look at one of the, at the president's shifting explanations the white house shifting explanations for what happened in that meeting at the Trump Tower back in June of 2016 with Don Jr. Uh, I remember when, when this was first reported, uh, Jay Sekulow was on my program, so the president had nothing at all to do with that letter. Later, Sarah Sanders said, well, wait, he, he sort of weighed in, but he didn't dictate it. And now this letter from the president's lawyers say very, very clearly he dictated the statement. How do you explain those shifting explanations? Uh, happened to me uh, with the whole situation of repaying uh, uh, the money that was laid out by Cohen. Uh, when I first, uh, when the first president first talked about it, nobody focused on it. Nobody thought about it. That was a very busy time. And then when we got on board, we, we, I went through everything. Uh, it was the only change we had to make at that point. This other change had been made. When you consider the big scope of this narrative, it's four not or five changes. Complicated thing. The president was there. He was dealing well, with the letter. At first, it was all denied, and now you're saying he dictated. But I, I don't know that Jay uh, Jay would have to answer that. And I, I've talked to him about it. I think Jay was wrong. I mean, this is this is the reason you don't let this president testify. Uh, if you know, every our recollection keeps changing, or we're not even asked a question, and somebody makes an assumption. In my case, I made an assumption. Then I then then we corrected, and I got it right out as soon as soon as as soon as it happened. I think that's what happened here. Liar. Liar. Rudy Giuliani is a fucking liar. You don't say with a definitive tone. And Donald Trump paid him back. Yeah, he repaid <laughs> the $130,000 to Michael Cohen. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, my recollection shifted. It changed. It's not a recollection shifting. It's that you're a fucking liar. <laughs> Donald Trump is a liar. Mm -hmm. He either did help draft that statement aboard Air Force One, lying about the content of the meeting at Trump Tower with uh, Natalia Veselitskaya, or he did not. 
There's no need to to worry about testifying if all you're going to do is tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Did you have something to do with it? No, I did not. Well, that's the truth. It's not a big deal. Well, there's also a risk there in talking about how the recollection has changed and all of that because you're still, I mean, you're still lying. So you're you're just trying to get around admitting that you're lying. And if you try to pull that kind of shit with the investigators, it's not going to fly. Yeah. Especially with the Mueller team. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're so afraid. Yeah. You might be able to do that in a civil case. That's why they keep saying only if it's a couple questions and only if it's very structured and only if we know the questions. Yeah. We'll answer the questions if we get to write the questions. Right. You have 30 (laughs) seconds. Go. (laughs) Oh, you spent all the time asking the question. We have no time to answer it now. Rudy Giuliani now is also uh, in. He's. He's furthering the narrative from that 20-page memo, that 20-page letter sent to to Robert Mueller, in saying that the president cannot be indicted or subpoenaed by the special counsel. That a sitting president, that is just off the table, it's not what happens. In in complete defiance and in a a flip-flop from a, a previous position held years earlier. In addition to the constitutional issue, which will be, you know, a complex one, we admit that, although we think we have the better argument. The one that's definitive is the OLC, Office of Legal Counsel and the Justice Department, wrote a memo at the conclusion of the Clinton thing, at the Clinton administration, and said, uh, you cannot indict a sitting president, nor can you compel process. So it's part of the rules of the Justice Department. And Mueller is Has nothing. Has he responded to the letter? Has not. No response to right. the letter. And Mueller is, is, is completely uh, uh, surrounded by the rules of the justice and, and agreed to follow them. But, so so what, what is the state of play exactly with Robert Mueller now? He has not responded to that letter. He's responded to other things. You know, look, I, I, if I were him, I wouldn't respond to the letter either unless I made the decision to go or not to go. If I'm not going to go, why respond to it? i got other things to do. And if I am going to go, I better, I, then I better spend a month on it. I mean, uh, Emmett... Uh, Floyd, who's, who's, the, who's the president's in, let's call him his in-house counsel, you know, uh, in the White House. In the yeah. White House, and ba- basically, this is his area of expertise. He represented President Clinton, represented President Bush. This is the area he knows probably better than anybody in the world. So we're we're relying on him, and as well as Jay and uh, John did an excellent job. And everybody we've had look at this says, I guess what lawyers always say: we can't guarantee it, but ninety percent. Rudy Giuliani is a skeevy, skeevy douche. First, I'm going to play him in 1998 with Charlie Rose saying the exact opposite thing about indicting a sitting president, compelling process, a.k.a. subpoenaing a sitting president. All of the Watergate litigation resolved the fact that the president is not above the law, is not able to avoid subpoenas, and the president has a right, like anyone else, to go before a judge and say, this is being done for an improper pur- purpose. This is being done for purposes of harassment. If a judge agrees with that, fine. But if a judge doesn't, then you have to testify. So he's saying you can be subpoenaed, and then you just go to court to try to get it quashed, to try to get it uh, reversed by a judge. In 1998, when it was a Democrat, when it was Bill Clinton, absolutely appropriate to subpoena, to compel process. But now that it's Donald Trump, oh, no, it's long held. And here's what you need to understand is that this DOJ memo, this this policy within the Department of Justice, isn't a court-ordered or a court-mandated thing. This is a, a policy 
This is the opinion within the Justice Department that it can't be done. It's never been challenged in court. We don't know if you can indict a sitting president. Which leads us to what Donald Trump tweeted today on the heels of what was said this weekend and in the memo. That Donald Trump may be able to actually pardon himself. Letter also cites the president's pardon power. Do you and the president's attorneys believe the president has the power to pardon himself? He pro- he's not, but he probably does. I mean, he has no intention of pardoning himself, but he probably does. doesn't say he can't. I mean, that's another really interesting constitutional argument. Can the president pardon himself? I think it's an open question. I used to run the pardon attorney. It would be an open question. I think it would probably get answered by, gosh, that's what the Constitution says. And if you want to change it, change it. But yeah. So Donald Trump tweeted about this today as well. They're going hard with this, (laughs) talking a lot about pardoning, um, even though he did nothing wrong. And uh, (laughs) he... He tweeted, quote, as has been stated by numerous legal scholars, I have the absolute right to pardon myself. But why would I do that when I have done nothing wrong? In the meantime, the never ending witch hunt led by 13 very angry and conflicted Democrats and others continues into the midterms. This is the law and order candidate. Remember the man who said I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and wouldn't lose any supporters. Well, now, apparently that has morphed into. He literally thinks he can murder someone. He can rape a family and kill them and burn their bodies while filming it on Facebook Live. And it's okay because he's the president. He can just pardon himself. And what Rudy Giuliani has said in the past is that, well, if he does something, then uh, they would impeach him the next day and then they, then they could then they could prosecute him. That's not how it works. That's not the house doesn't move in at internet light speed. What they would do is they would have to draft articles of impeachment, then it would have to go to a house vote. And then it would have to go to the Senate for trial. And in the meantime, Donald Trump could just pardon himself. They could still impeach him and remove him. But that is antithetical to our system of justice, our respect and regard for the rule of law, that no one is above justice. Justice is blind. A president cannot pardon himself. Because if he can pardon himself for obstruction of justice, he can pardon himself for murder and rape and genocide. So you were talking about Donald Trump saying he could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and still be elected president. During the campaign. Well, Rudy Giuliani's really taken this to uh, another level. In an interview with the Huffington Post, he said that Trump's presidential power extends so far that in no case can he be subpoenaed or indicted. I don't know how you can indict while he's in office, no matter what it is. And then he goes on to give an example of him shooting just a hypothetical situation where he could shoot James Comey and still not be indicted. Um, Quote, if he shot James Comey, he'd be impeached the next day. Impeach him and then you can do whatever you want to do to him. So he's saying that if Donald Trump had shot uh, former FBI director James Comey to end the Russia investigation, 
that he would still not face prosecution for it while he was in office. He would need to be removed from office, and then you could prosecute the president of the United States for shooting the former FBI director in the Russia investigation. I mean, this is where we are with this commentary, where they're actually using examples of, hypothetically speaking, if Donald Trump shot James Comey. Who he hates. Who is a political opponent. Can we not? Yeah. Can we not have these conversations? This is this actually is a paradoxical kind of a discussion. If you if you talk to lawyers, they'll get all in the fucking weeds. But this is where it ultimately lands. The president of the United States of America is a civilian leader. He is not appointed on high He is not the maker of laws. He is not the the final arbiter of what is just and true. He is not a deity. He is a man. He is a citizen. He is not above the law. The way the founders set it up is certain things there is immunity from. If the the president drives without a driver's license, you're not going to arrest him. But if he's going to obstruct justice and put national security at risk, threaten the the, the the republic. Yeah, those are high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, I do think that impeachment is the likely turn here if he doesn't um, resign first. But to assert that there is nothing we can do because he's the president... And he is above the law is fucking absurd. And I know that there are lawyers who disagree with me, but there are many lawyers who don't disagree with me. And like Brittany said, this is where we are right now in 2018. That the president of the United States and his emissaries are talking about the fact that he has the ability to murder someone (laughs) and then pardon himself for the crime. I know everyone always says, what if Hillary was president? (laughs) But honestly, do this exercise with this statement. If Hillary Clinton's lawyer said this. If Hillary Clinton tweeted herself that she could pardon herself for her many crimes. There would be crimes. madness. There would be madness. We live in hell right now. I, it's, it's truly unbelievable. Tippy top shape. <laughs> no, we're not in tippy top shape. We're not. That's, that's where we more are. Like it. That, that is that's more like it. That's more like it. There you go. So we are going to leave you there. Um, we are going to be back with a second episode, maybe Wednesday morning. We'll have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, we love you guys. We appreciate you joining us. We appreciate your loyalty and your dedication to the show. We would love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We would love to have you on board the Patreon family. Uh, We do Google Hangout calls every month. We'll send you some sweet stickers. I don't know how sweet they are, but they are stickers nonetheless. (laughs) Um, We do the live streams. 
Uh, we're going to have to change the schedule because when they turn the air conditioning off here in the studio over the weekend, it is uh, unbearably hot for me. And I am not going to main, not going to, I'm not going to do that, Brittany. I'm putting my foot down about the hot studio. So we're going to create a survey uh, in the Dollamore listener group, probably, probably, maybe I'll create a survey monkey survey and, and send it out to the Patreon supporters. I think Patreon itself has a survey function. Okay, I might do that yeah. um, because we want to see, we want to continue doing the live stream, um, but we need to find a day and time where that would be more feasible that isn't on the weekend. Yeah. So, um We'll, we'll put a survey up and figure that out, um, and we definitely want to hear from you guys on that. Also, I want to give a little preview for something that I want to talk about next time, and that is Bill Clinton being asked about um, his apology to Monica Lewinsky and saying that he wouldn't have done anything differently with the Lewinsky affair. And that um, he doesn't owe her an apology. Right. This was NBC News, and if you watch that and you have some thoughts please send them in because i would like to talk about this next time so yes yes so please help us move the conversation forward support the show in any way that you can dollamore.com slash patreon dollamore.com slash paypal dollamore.info you can buy some gear we would love to see pictures of where you put your stickers and if you have a t-shirt wearing it all that is awesome we love you guys and we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. That you're a lady, <laughs> and ladies aren't used to being in charge. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.